Hello, and welcome back to the Faith Out Front podcast. Before we begin part two's episode this week, we want to take you back to the end of part one to see where we left off with Pastor Jerry Birch, chaplain of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Thank you for tuning in to the Faith Out Front podcast. God bless. That in the bubble now, the, because all the players now, to whatever extent they've realized they've had a platform, uh, many have not had a voice or, or an issue. Now, now we have an issue. They realize your voice, so they've got all these different things on their uniforms, and I think that's cool. I, I, I'm, I'm loving it. But I noticed LeBron didn't have anything on the back of his uniform. He had no a Black Lives Matter. He had no. All he had was 23 and James. And I believe the reason for that is LeBron is already. I said what I got to say. You know where I stand. You don't have to. I don't need anything on the back of my back. My, you know. If you want to know what I think, you know, check out my social media. Check out, check out the, you know, the, 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 the journal, you know, the archives of, of my journalistic content. Uh, you know, LeBron is, LeBron is a believer, you know. Um, but, you know, everybody doesn't have that calling. Everybody doesn't have that courage, you know, because one of the things we all know is that when you declare to the, in the public square that you stand for Jesus, then uh, the whole world is watching. More, more often they're not ready, wait, waiting for you to fail. So they can say your God is no good. Now, and unless you're ready for that, especially when your life is kind of raggedy at the edges, you know, you're not really gonna wanna put your faith out front. Wow, well, before Nobles asks his next great question, as you were talking about those testimonies and I'm thinking of Kevin Ollie, I think it's a timely message for people tuning in because the world, like with Kevin Ollie, they may see he's traded again, but what God has ultimately done is sent him on a new assignment. Mm-hmm. And for those that are tuning in, you may be in career transition. You may be going from high school to college. You may be trying to figure out what to do next, but pray that God sends you on an assignment because look at the fruit can, that can come from it like it did with Kevin Ollie and others. So I just wanted to share that to our listening audience. Be prepared for God to send you on assignment where others maybe think it's something different. That really stood out to me. Appreciate those wonderful answers. Nobles? Yeah, well, yeah. Let, let, me, uh, Nobles, let me just uh, uh, put a caveat uh, on that, because the idea that comes to me when we talk, uh, uh, you know, in this way is uh, a lesson I learned, uh, and I heard this from a preacher, I can't remember which one, but it made so much sense, that Christians have to begin to understand that they have been called to grow where they're planted. You know, the grass is greener where you water it. You know, and so you may find yourself in a difficult spot, a difficult situation. You may have an employer that is antagonistic uh, or, or, you know, or persecuting you or making it difficult for you. Uh, you may be in a situation of betrayal. Uh, but remember what, uh, uh, what Jacob said to his brothers, you know, in, in Genesis 50, you know, you guys meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. That I would be in the perfect position to do his will to save many people. Amen. That's powerful, Pastor Birch. And to the point that uh, you just made and and what Robert shared, um, I think about the scripture, 1 Corinthians 3 and 7, where it talks about one plants, one waters, but it's God who gives the increase. And I think that really goes hand in hand with what you just shared. It's about where, where are we focusing our water? You know, what, what, what are we watering or who is it that's already watered, you know, and we're just coming behind you know, to add more to it. And I think that's so powerful with what you shared about Kevin Ollie. Everywhere God sent him, there maybe have already been been some planning, 
and Kevin Holly yeah. God sent him in there to do some watering. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. kind of staying in that same vein, Pastor Burst, just thinking about a uh, scripture verse that, you know, really ties into that powerful story you shared. Um, could you share with our listening audience, what's a scripture verse or a story in the Bible that uh, you feel either really, you know, holds uh, a powerful place in your life, whether it's uh, an experience that you had, whether it's personal or something that you've experienced while being a chaplain, but what's a verse or a Bible story that you feel really resonates um, with what God's called you to? Well, you know, from my, uh, my testimony, when I came across these verses in Psalm 119, it's like, I thought I wrote this. Uh, and uh, it is, uh, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, I obey your word. And I think 71 says something, someone says, it was good for me to be afflicted, <laughs> that I may obey your precepts. And um, I think, um, and then also Psalm 51, uh, uh, you know, because of my, my past uh, indiscretions, um, when I came across Psalm 51, I, I mean, that, that became, uh, you know, it's like I, I wrote that. You know, the thing that, that really uh, keeps me grounded uh, is uh, my wife. You know, I get a chance to get up every morning and see what forgiveness looks like with skin on it. And I was talking to a, a brother uh, the other day who just went through an ugly divorce. Uh, and he's a good, he's a good man. Uh, you know, there was no biblical reason for his wife to leave him. And, um, you know, I was, I was telling him that, um, you know, forgiveness, because he's having, a, uh, you know, he's, he's going through the process of learning how to forgive his wife. It's a, forgiveness is not a declaration. Uh, it, is a, it is a lifestyle. Uh, you know, uh, it's something you have to lean into every time something triggers, you know, the, the, the past. Uh, also, I, I have a very good understanding of what repentance means. Repentance is more than a declaration. It's also a lifestyle. Repentance is turning away from your sin, turning your back on your sin. Uh, but the other, you haven't repented until you turn your back on your sin and then begin to walk towards God. It's a 180. It's not a resolution uh, where on New Year's you say, I'm going to stop doing this, and you turn away from it on a 90-degree angle. Because if you don't make the 180 and begin to walk away from it, uh, you know, like a magnet pointing north, you will, you will turn back to it. And the only way to break away from the past is to repent, is to turn. So, I, so these, are, these are the things that, uh, that are so crystal clear to me. Uh, at, at, at over the years and over the decades that I've been living in this and preaching in this, uh, and this is what this is what God requires. Uh, and the other thing is just the overwhelming mercies of God. It's just amazing to me. Uh, you know, when we uh, uh, we abundant grace came uh, to be under some interesting circumstances, uh, we found ourselves with uh, a bunch of people with who didn't really have a church to go to, but uh, so we had a name that church contest. Uh, it was, was no prize. <laughs> we just needed some ideas. Uh, but the only, only, only um, uh, caveat we had was it's got to have the name Grace in it because we knew we were people of grace. And, um, but yeah, those, you know, those, I, I could go on. I got to, you know, uh, be anxious for nothing. Uh, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
Uh, I do a uh, on our our Facebook page. Uh, we stream our broad, our service on Sunday morning live, but then I come back uh, uh, on Wednesday evening at midnight uh, for a fifteen minute. Uh, we call it a midweek midnight message, and that is uh, we've been doing this since the pandemic. Uh, and it's finding peace in the midst of the pandemic. And this is our memory verse every Wednesday night. Uh, and if you can continue to live through that verse and lay your head on your pillow and, and claim that verse and, 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 and pray that verse back to the Lord and, and to your own spirit, uh, a lot of times you get stuck on Thanksgiving. You know, uh, most of the time we're anxious about things we can't control. So what's the point? You know, either, either trust God or worry. You can't do both at the same time. Uh, but many times I get stuck on Thanksgiving. I start thanking the Lord for, you know, my wife, uh, the life he's given me, my parents, my, my, you know, my kids. You know, I start praying for them. Uh, most often, more often than not, when you are overwhelmed with anxiety, it's because you're too self-focused. And, uh, you know, that uh, it's, you know, for some, you know, it's different because they, they have some uh, chemical, uh, emotional issues that are clinical. And, and I don't mean to, you know, say that, you know, uh, uh, this is easy. Uh, but but for, for many people, you know, it's just a matter of focus and orientation. Uh, the, the, it's, I forgot the address in Isaiah, but it says, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed or steadfast on me. And so when we take our eyes off of the Goliath and, and put him on our God, you know, um, we'll, get, we'll get good sleep. Well, Pastor Birch, you just had about 10 mic drops. And what you just shared there, my goodness, as we like to say internally, that'll preach. And by the way, I'm sure Nobles and I and our listening audience would love to check out Abundant Grace Fellowship and hear you preach because you are dropping some serious truth. And we could be on with you all day because this is just so enlightening. I know we only have a few minutes left. It makes me want to pivot a little bit to what you said there referring to Psalm 51. I want to read the first two verses. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Amazing grace. And you think about the times we're living in. And you think of the, the sins of slavery. You think the sins of division, the sins of injustice, the sins of racism, and the things we're facing as a country. Of course, this coming Saturday, you're going to be moderating a panel discussion in terms of FCA partnering with the Cleveland Cavaliers in our Full Court Faith Initiative. Talk a little bit about how the body of Christ and even specifically faith-based athletes and coaches and leaders can be a part of bringing that grace so that we can see healing in our land, so that we can see that ministry of reconciliation be deployed, so that Jesus Christ can be hallowed in the land. Thoughts to that as we bring it home? Well, you know, practically speaking, when you look at, when you look at our professional sports, especially um, uh, the NFL and the NBA, um, that's how the church should look. You know, you have uh, 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 multiracial, multi-ethnic teams. You've got uh, uh, guys from, uh, you know, uh, Utah and Ukraine, you know, uh, uh, Alabama and Albania, all on the same team, wearing the same uniform, uh, cheering one another on, uh, building relationship, uh, building chemistry. Uh, and uh, that should be a challenge to the church because right now, for me, um, I am not surprised. I mean, this is not my first racial rodeo. You know, I, I grew up in the 60s, and so, you know, I protested 
Uh, I've been in the same room with, with Martin Luther King. I've heard him speak personally twice. You know, um, I've heard Elijah Muhammad. I've been through all of that stuff. And, you know, the church would do well to stop expecting the world to behave in a way in which we, we, have, we struggle ourselves. You know, uh, the, the most segregated hour still in America is, is Sunday morning. We've learned to work together to, to some degree. You know, we still have ways to go uh, with discrimination in the workplace. We've learned to play together, work together, even live together. I mean, we are, 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 even though segregation is still huge, uh, our neighborhoods are more integrated than ever before. We still have some ways to go about that. But, but you know, at, at, at the end of the day, uh, we have, as believers in Christ, we have been indwelt by His Holy Spirit. Uh, we've been set free from the wrath of God and the sins of our past. We've got the, uh, the, 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 our souls have been redeemed and we have the promise of paradise. Uh, and we have been uh, left here uh, behind enemy lines to serve the king. Uh, you know, and no soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his, please his commanding officer. Uh, and so, uh, but our marching orders, first and, first and foremost, is that we've been given this ministry of reconciliation. Uh, you know, as if God was in us reconciling the world to himself. Uh, and, you know, we, we can't expect the world to understand uh, racial reconciliation. First of all, they don't, have the, they don't have the tools, they don't have the power, and then they don't even have the command. That belongs to us. And if we, if we have the command, the power, and the tools, uh, to to uh, bring about racial reconciliation within the church, it, it won't happen in society until they begin to see what it looks like in the church. If they began, if they began to see race, racial reconciliation in the church, God could use that to bring bring more salvation and life change than ever before. You know, my my prayer is that the the evangelical right would be get, would become as compassionate uh, uh, and urgent uh, in their agenda for racial uh, injustice and uh, racial prejudice as they are about abortion and gay rights. Because there's as much, you know, there's a, an argument can be made that there's a significant amount of damage that's being done to those who are alive, you know, uh, as, uh, just as, you know, uh, uh, abortion and the unborn. But, you know, there's um, uh, just a tremendous amount of damage that continues to be done to communities of color. And I know it's hard for a lot of people to see because, you know, on the surface, it looks like we're doing okay. Uh, but, you know, we still have so, such a long way to go. And every time this issue comes up, you know, there's always a, a uh, you know, a, a deflection. You know, we kneel, we kneel for police brutality. Well, that's unpatriotic. Now, we're not talking about patriotism. You know, uh, uh, you know to me, I, uh, you know, how are, the guy, how are the people with AK-47s taking over a state house uh, more patriotic than those who simply kneel on the football field? You know, that, that's the kind of stuff that, that really gets me. There's always, you know, Black Lives Matter is a Marxist movement. I understand, I, 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 you know, I'm a researcher by trade and I go, I try to get to the source, or the, the, the original sources and yes, Two of the organizers of Black Lives Matter have declared they are trained Marxists. I don't really know what that means, but if you ask 99% of the people who ascribe to the idea uh, 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 and all the implications behind the statement Black Lives Matter, they are not, nor will they ever be Marxists. 
And if a Marxist movement began to grow out of that, I'm sure uh, 80, 90% of the people would resist that, that whole notion. This is just a distraction. Uh, there was a distraction in the, uh, it's just like putting water holes on people trying to sit at lunch counters. What, what's the problem? We just want to eat. You know, and so, uh, but it all starts with judgment will, judgment will begin in the house of God. If we don't get it straight, we shouldn't even, hold, we shouldn't even have a, a, any, any hope or idea that the world's going to get it straight. Well, so I've been, reaching, I've been reaching out to uh, my, my, my pastor friends and other friends who are uh, not black. We have a lot of conversations. Uh, there's a church uh, in Canton uh, that, you know, we're hopefully when this uh, COVID gets by, we're going to start having joint worship services and chain trade, uh, you know, preachers and, and choirs. And it's, it's, you know, it's really interesting. It's going to be interesting, you know, because my congregation really is not into folk music, <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, uh, uh, one of the terms I hate uh, is racial tolerance. Don't tolerate me. You tolerate screaming babies and toothaches. Accept me. The Bible says in Romans 15.1 uh, that the strong should bear the infirmities of the weak. And then it says later on in that same chapter around verse 6 or 7, it says, accept one another then in order to bring praise to God or glory to God. So we have to learn to accept each other. You know, you can't get somebody to change until you accept who they are and where they are. Put your arm around them and uh, begin to, uh, you know, encourage and, and uh, support them. Well, Pastor Birch, my goodness, you're bringing some profound insight. And it's, it's actually unfortunate that we have to bring it home because you have so much to share. And I can only hope there's more opportunities to connect with you. But I just wanted to personally say thank you not only for being on Faith Out Front today, but for being a living legacy of the things that matter. And I know Rick Isaiah, who's one of the national executives for FCA, longtime FCA leader, he always says, and he's also the head of our diversity initiative, which I'd love for you to connect. In fact, he'll be one of the panelists coming up this Saturday, but he always says, we have the opportunity to serve in this platform because we're standing on the shoulders of men and women who've given us that opportunity. And Pastor Birch, thanks for those strong, broad shoulders of yours so that people like Nobles and I even have a chance to, to serve in sports ministry. God bless you, and it's a real joy to know you. Nobles, you want to bring us home? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Pastor Birch, thank you once again, man. So much uh, insight, um, so much powerful uh, wisdom, um, you know, enlightening things that you shared today. Um, one thing that I'll, I'll bring back um, that you shared before we close, I, I like how you were referencing earlier during the, uh, the finals, you know, the Cavs typically give you a room, you know, but you had to get moved due to everybody coming in. And, you know, we, we typically like to be a little light, lighthearted on faith out front. And I was thinking about that story and I couldn't help but to, but to think, you know, they gave Jesus the manger. They saw fit to give Pastor Birch the weight room. So, <laughs> hey, but Pastor Birch, I'd like to think when Golden State came, the, the message was probably Isaiah 54 and 17, no weapon. Formed against. <laughs> so, uh, no, no courage jump shot. Courage jumper is pretty prosperous. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but Pastor Birch, thank you so much, sir, today for sharing your faith, for putting it out front, 
um, for just being a, a true um, man of God, a, a true force in the kingdom. Thank you for your service and um, just thank you for everything you shared today with our listeners. We truly hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Faith Out Front podcast with Pastor Jerry Birch, chaplain of the Cleveland Cavaliers. We thank you for tuning in each and every week, and we truly hope you enjoy these powerful stories of faith and athletics from heroes in our communities. Thanks for tuning in to Faith Out Front. We'll catch you back on next week. God bless.